This is Barry Zelma speaking for Claim School Incorporated's blog, Zelma on Insurance. Today we explain why when there is a will, there are relatives, and a settlement based on a mutual mistake must be rescinded, because a settlement is also a contract that must include a meeting of the minds of the people who sign on to the contract. People with a claim against an estate entered into a settlement agreement to resolve the claim against the estate regarding life insurance coverage that the decedent was required under a divorce decree to maintain for the benefit of the children of the broken marriage. Subsequently, the parties jointly petitioned the county court for Douglas County, Nebraska, for a declaration of their rights and obligations under the agreement. The county court reformed the agreement in an attempt to be fair to all. The ex-wife, of course, appealed, trying to get as much as possible for her children. In a case called In Re the Estate of Jordan R. Wiggins, Deceased, a June 23, 2023 decision of the Supreme Court of Nebraska, the Supreme Court resolved the dispute in a Solomon-like fashion. Jordan R. Wiggins died on August 28, 2019. Prior to his death, Jordan executed a will which established the Jordan R. Wiggins Family Trust for his children's benefit. Jordan's father, Robert Wiggins, was appointed personal representative of Jordan's estate. Jordan was previously married to Allison Hardy, and two married minor children resulted from that marriage, Elizabeth and Leah Wiggins, both who were born during the marriage. The divorce decree required Jordan and Allison each to maintain a life insurance policy of at least $250,000 to provide for the minor children if Jordan or Allison died. On December 20, 2019, Allison brought a claim for $250,000 plus interest against the estate on the children's behalf alleging that the personal representative had not yet identified any life insurance policy maintained by Jordan for the children's benefit. However, after the claim was brought, Jordan's former employer informed Jordan's brother, Jason Wiggins, that Jason was the sole beneficiary of Jordan's two employer-provided life insurance policies valued at $360,000. Subsequently, Jason, as an interested party, Allison on behalf of the minor children, and Robert as personal representative, agreed to settle Allison's claim against the estate. The settlement agreement began by acknowledging that to the best of the party's knowledge, Jordan had not designated the children as beneficiaries of a life insurance policy of at least $250,000. The agreement then called for Jason to gift $250,000 of the insurance proceeds that he received to the trust, whereupon Allison would withdraw the claim. However, after they entered into the settlement agreement, the parties learned 
that Jordan's daughter Elizabeth was actually the beneficiary of one of Jordan's life insurance policies, while Jason was the beneficiary of the other policy. Thereafter, the insurer paid $120,000 directly to Elizabeth. The money was not placed in the trust. The insurer also paid $240,000 to Jason, who then paid $130,000 into the trust and retained $110,000. Allison took issue with Jason's action, arguing that he was required under the divorce decree, the settlement agreement, and Nebraska law to pay the entire $240,000 into the trust for the children. Seeking to resolve the question of the validity of the statement, the Supreme Court noted that at the hearing on the motion for declaratory judgment, Jason argued that the settlement agreement should be rescinded on various grounds, including the party's mutual mistake as to Jordan's life insurance coverage. Alternatively, Jason argued that the agreement should be reformed due to his mutual mistake. Allison countered that there was no basis for reformation or rescission because the agreement in its written form correctly expressed the party's intent at the time they entered the agreement, and Jason assumed the risk of mistake. The county court ruled in Jason's favor. The county court ordered that the 130000 Jason paid into the trust satisfied his obligation under the settlement agreement because he was entitled to a credit of $120,000 for the life insurance proceeds that Elizabeth received. Believing that his $120,000 had been placed in trust, the county court also ordered that the 250000 received into the trust for the children's benefit satisfied the claim against the estate. It ordered that the settlement agreement be reformed accordingly. Allison argued that the settlement agreement should be enforced against Jason because the agreement as written accurately reflected the party's intent at the time they signed the agreement. However, the court noted that a settlement agreement as a contract is subject to the general principles of contract law, and rescission, in contrast to reformation, may be granted where the parties have apparently entered into a contract evidenced by a writing, but owing to a mistake, their minds did not meet as to all the essential elements of the transaction, so that no real contract was made by them. Generally, grounds for cancellation or rescission of a contract include fraud, duress, unilateral or mutual mistake, and inadequacy of consideration. When used in reference to rescission, however, the term mutual mistake is not limited to a mistake in drafting the instrument. Specifically, for purposes of rescission, a mutual mistake of fact must relate to either a present or past fact or facts that are material to the contract and not to an opinion as to future conditions as the result of present known facts. The situation is different as to rescission. Here the evidence clearly and convincingly showed that the parties were mutually mistaken as to a fact which was material inducement for the contract. Specifically, their mutual mistake of fact was their belief that Jordan failed to maintain any life insurance for the benefit of the children and instead named Jason as the sole beneficiary.
On its face, the settlement agreement calls for Jason to pay money that he did not receive from the life insurance proceeds. It does not seem just and fair to the Supreme Court to require Jason to pay an additional $110,000, which would result in a total of $360,000 in life insurance proceeds being available to the children, where the divorce decree contemplated a minimum of $250,000 in life insurance proceeds. Elizabeth received 120000 of life insurance proceeds directly from the insurer, and Jason has already paid 130000 into the trust, which is available to both Elizabeth and Leah. The purpose of rescission is to place the parties in a status quo, that is, return the parties to the position which existed before the rescinded contract came into effect. A mutual mistake as to the existence of a fact that was a material inducement to the contract is not grounds for reformation, although it may be and is grounds for rescission. Accordingly, the Supreme Court reversed the judgment of the county court and remanded the cause with instructions and directions for the county court to rescind the settlement agreement and conduct further proceedings not inconsistent with the Supreme Court's decision. In my opinion, the most difficult problem raised by the need for life insurance after a divorce is what to do when the spouse required to carry life insurance for the benefit of the children of the broken marriage is enforcement. It would be simple to buy the insurance name the children as beneficiaries and provide copies of the policy to the divorced spouse and or the children. In this case, communications failed, and the parties tried to be fair with very little information. Rescission was appropriate and resolved the differences between the parties because the settlement was reached based on false information that resulted in an unfair result, and by rescinding the contract, fairness came back to the parties. This video was adapted from my blog, Zalma on Insurance, which is available free to anyone who clicks on the URL zalma.com blog. You can subscribe to the blog, and you will receive notice of blog postings, usually five, sometimes six a week. And you can also subscribe to the videos on YouTube and on rumble.com, all for free. And if you found the blog or the videos to be of interest, please tell your friends and colleagues uh, and let them subscribe to the blog and the videos themselves. And if you want further exceptional detail on insurance, insurance law, insurance claims, and insurance fraud, you might wish to consider subscribing to my Locals community or my Substack publications, where for a very small fee, you will receive specialty information. Thank you for your attention.